Hi, welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and this weekend, as always, it's a time to just ask the press. And with me, of course, is John Bennett editor and at large and columnist at CQ Roll Call and Michael Zeldin, former federal prosecutor, and he has his own podcast. And Michael, I'll let you plug that right now. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's called That Said with Michael Zeldin. And mostly what we do is talk to authors about books of um, importance, I think, to the narrative of our, of our country, not the day-to-day -day news, but really the important issues such as your book, Brian, which was on Thank the importance you. of the First Amendment and freedom of the press. So we talk about big issues um, based around uh, books. And speaking of big issues, that's what we're going to talk about this week. The, the biggest issue, at, well, historic. A former president had uh, search warrants served on his home. That would be Donald Trump in Mar-a-Lago. So sit tight. We're going to just ask that question. What next for Donald Trump right after this? In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Questions newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not released anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam. And with me again is John Bennett, editor-at-large and columnist at CQ Roll Call, Michael Zeldin, former federal prosecutor and host of his own podcast. And we're here today to talk about the Trump search warrant. And if we go through the uh, permutations, how it got to a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago, I believe from the very beginning, uh, the government was asking for all of its classified material to be returned. Donald Trump at one point in time, uh, as late as June, had a, um, a lawyer say that there was no uh, uh, classified material at Mar-a-Lago. They had reason to believe otherwise and raided, well, he said raided, they say searched, his uh, property uh, this week and found 11 different uh, pieces of classified material. Now, we can play who the snitch is later. We'll, we'll guess as to who the snitch is. But Michael, I guess the, the thing I want to ask is, um, Walk me through what it's it's espionage, concealment, obstruction. What what's what is the legally what happened and what are the consequences of what happened? Starting at the beginning, President Trump leaves the White House. He becomes former President Trump, 
And with him, he takes a lot of materials, some of it probably personal materials, others of it official documents which belong to the National Archives. Remember, in the Nixon-Watergate tapes era, Nixon argued that the Watergate tapes were personal property and he did not have to turn them over. They sued him for those documents, the government did, and, and they won. But Congress determined that that was just not a good way to proceed. And they passed the Presidential Records Act in 1978, became effective, I think, in 1981. And it says that any document that is created as part of the president's official activities as president belongs to the government and the National Archives uh, retains that. Personal stuff you get to, to keep. And sometimes, right. sometimes there's stuff sort of in the middle. If you receive a, a, a photograph from somebody, you know, who's on a government visit, sometimes you can keep it, sometimes not. But so he goes off to Mar-a-Lago uh, with a batch of documents in, in, in bankers boxes, I take it. And the government starts looking through sort of the history of the Trump presidency and determines that there are holes, there are pieces that are not present. And so they essentially call up the president and they say, Mr. Trump, you have stuff we think that is official and we need to get it back. And that starts this very long dialogue between uh, Trump and his associates and the government about what it is that belongs to the government and what it is that Trump is allowed to take. And the government becomes more and more suspicious that they're not receiving a straight answer to their question of what do you have? You know, what specifically do you and have? That's a shock, right? right? <laughs> well, well, we can leave the editorial aside for a second. So they, they, they become concerned that they're not getting everything. Um, and they exchange meetings and then ultimately a grand jury subpoena for records is issued. That's the next step in the escalating conversation between Trump and um, the current government. And they get additional documents. Then they get a certified letter of some sort from the Trump lawyer saying, that's it, we have no more. But they receive additional information that there actually is likely to be more. And having gone through this dance uh, for so many months, and had then having received certification that there was nothing more, and then getting credible information that there actually was more, they essentially said, enough's enough. And they went to a judge, and they presented to the judge probable cause that there are documents in Mar-a-Lago, the possession of which belong to the government, and the possession of which violate three criminal statutes. One is the espionage statute and two are, one is a concealment statute and one is a uh, obstruction statute. Now espionage, you have to understand in this context is not the Rosenbergs. It's not giving right. the atomic secrets to somebody else. It's gross negligence in the handling of documents. The, the statute says essentially whoever has national defense related documents and through gross recklessness, refuses to protect them, and when asked, give them back, 
that violates that statute. So he's not being charged with selling anything to the Russians or the North Koreans. He's just being not charged yet. with he's just being charged with gross negligence in the in the retention of these documents. The concealment is pretty much the same thing that he had these documents that he was asked for them. He didn't return them. And therefore, he's concealing their identity. And the third statute, which I think in some sense is the worst for him, is that which says you had these documents, we asked these documents, we were investigating um, these documents, and you obstructed that investigation. And so that's an obstruction um, charge. So those are the three charges. They presented, as I said, to the magistrate judge, evidence that these statutes were violated. The magistrate looked at this multiple page affidavit setting forth the reason the government believes it has probable cause to have them judge issue a search warrant. The judge reads it and determines that it's credible, issues the search warrant on August the 5th, and they have until August the 19th to execute the warrant. They wait until a time when Donald Trump isn't there because that made sense from a you know sort of circus um, and with deference to the president, they went in at around 11 in the morning uh, in more or less plain clothes, unlike what we saw in Paul Manafort and some of the other cases where they knocked down the door at six in the morning. And, or Jeffrey Clark. Or Jeffrey Clark. They, they, they acted deferentially to, to the president as they, as they should have. And, and they went to the location where they had information that these Additional boxes were found, and you know, lo and behold, there they were, um, just as uh, they were told they would be, and off they went with them. Some of those documents had classified uh, markings on them. Some of the highest level of classification, some uh, the lowest level of classification, and some probably unclassified. But the thing that's important to remember is that while having classified documents is a very serious matter. And the government takes that stuff very serious. Remember, they prosecuted um, CIA Director Petraeus and um, National Security Advisor Sandy Berger under Clinton for exactly that. Right. None of these statutes have as a prerequisite to prosecution that they be classified. What it, they all require is that you are in possession of documents, classified or not, which you're not entitled to keep have, and which you essentially conceal or are um, grossly negligent in the in the holding of these documents, and that's the basis for uh, the charges here. So that's the that's sort of the history of this as a long. That's a great way to unpack it, and it's a great place to start. And I guess what I want to do now is is John. <laughs> When we take a look at this, none of this would be surprising to anyone that covers Donald Trump, nor is the response from Trumpers. But the question I have for you is, how serious do you think his followers are in, in being violent? And how violent do you think that violence will get? Uh, I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But I want to rewind, Brian, and, and let's go back to the South Lawn all those Fridays when then President Trump was off to Mar-a-Lago or Bedminster for the weekend or, um, you know, all for a trip and then and then going to one of his resorts. And, you know, the helicopter's loud, the engine's loud, the takeoff is somewhat chaotic and very loud and leaves are blowing and everything. 
And every now and then I would pull you aside or, or someone like our friend, Eamon Javers from CNBC or someone, and we would look at each other and say, what do you think was in those boxes, boxes. that the staff took out after Trump had gotten on and then, you know, the, the staff boards after the president and they would have bankers boxes of four of years of that, just random documents and, and manila envelopes and folders. You could see them. They're pictures of this stuff. They documents were going out of there all four years. And it increased so, in the no, last not, six months after the after right. the um, after the election was certified, it really increased. But after the uh, election itself, after November, whenever he left, it almost seemed like they were walking a, a train of documents out of that place every yep. time he left. Yeah, I, I agree. I joked one time, you know, um, he was going on a he was going for a rally or, or some kind of event. And then he was going to Mar-a-Lago. So more staff went than usual on this departure because they were going to the official event or the rally or whatever to staff the president. Um, so there are more bodies on the plane on, on the helicopter. But they took a lot of boxes out that afternoon. And I remember joking to you and others, is the thing even going to take off with all those boxes? I remember that. <laughs> so, so your first question, no, none of this is surprising for those of us who were paying attention and, and yeah. reporting on everything. No, I'm surprised they've only asked for and retrieved however many boxes in these various meetings and, and now the raid you know I, i'm surprised it's not 50 boxes so i, I wonder how many they uh, there actually are i mean that does yeah. beg the question for me how how much did this is what we've got how much got away right well in terms of the serious let me just add one thing john then go on in terms of the seriousness you asked um and i didn't answer yet because we'll get to it what's the likelihood of prosecution and uh, how serious are these statutes, they become more serious when there's evidence of alteration or destruction, and they become more serious if we, like in the Nixon tapes, we have, we discover that there is incriminating information within them. So if it's just, for example, merely, I don't say merely uh, flippantly, but if it's merely we want our doc, you know, it's like, we want our ball back and now we have our ball and we're fine. Um, and that's, that's all we wanted. If um, we want our tapes back and then in those tapes, there's evidence of, uh, you know, a criminal conspiracy that becomes much more serious. So, so we does, don't. Does it matter? Well, Michael, let me ask you this. Does it matter? I, I, I mean, not just what was in them, but it, it's the obstinate saying lying about not having them and then having them. Is that not as, as serious as as what's actually in them, lying. Well, I, want to, I want to let John continue his narrative and go then go back to this. Let let's let's go interrupted. It, but but to answer to your question, these are specific intent crimes. You need to intend yes. to do this, and the more circumstantial evidence that that this was not accidental, um, that this was purposeful um, and purposeful for a specific reason, such as they contain incriminating um, information, that obviously is an aggravating factor. There you go. All right, John, back to you. As far as the, uh, the seriousness of his followers to commit violence, we've already seen one follower, um, not just one, but the, the gentleman uh, in Ohio who, who stormed an FBI facility in, in Cincinnati and was later killed by uh, law enforcement and, you know, we've got a group and I believe it's Phoenix, uh, 
you know, they, they're armed and, and they've surrounded an FBI facility there. Um, I don't think that's going to end well for them, by the, well, by the way, whenever <laughs> it ends. Uh, people will be reporting for, I'm sure people are reporting for work there uh, today. Um, their work doesn't stop, as Michael knows, but more people, I'm sure, will be reporting for work there tomorrow when things get tense and they might have to, you know, get rid of those guys. Um, so I think they're, I, I think that, you know, all it takes is one. That's the problem here. All it takes is one. The countries are washing guns. The countries are washing AR-15 style weapons. So, you know, I think the threat of, dan threat, threat of danger is real. Uh, I, I think it's very serious. Um, you know, five guys with, with five AR-15s can do some damage. Um, if they, you know, if they figure out where some law enforcement guys and gals go get a sandwich in the afternoon. I mean, you know, what's to say that, that they won't, that they won't take some kind of violent action. And the, pre and the former president, you know, I said the other day to someone, right now he might as well be back on that stage at the Ellipse. You know, he's, he's, he's more prolific right now on his social media platform. Um, he's sending out more statements. And, you know, we do have a duty to report them in the press. It's not the easiest spot for us. But he is using, you know, that coded language. And I've said here in other places that the tweets and, and now the truth social posts the statements, it's all a code. And his people know the code. And he's yeah. not telling them, hey, guys, lay off the FBI. They were just following orders, the agents that came here. They were just, you know, doing what they were told. Don't, don't take any violence. He's not saying that. Just, you know, just like he did on January 5th, he, he kind of broke the code that day and just said what he wanted them to do. But, you know, when Trump is not denouncing this stuff or, or trying to dissuade someone for doing it he could have put out a true social statement and said you know this guy in ohio doesn't reckon doesn't uh represent me or or my maga movement don't do this we haven't heard anything like that no the coup is ongoing right that, i right. i don't think there's any right. doubt that his and, intent benny, Tom, benny thompson and, and, and liz cheney have said that during the january 6th yep. hearings and and yeah it, obviously they're they're correct uh, Michael, do you think there will be indictments from this? I don't know. I think that... Uh, or is it enough they got the material back? Well, that's the, that's the issue. The, the question that the prosecutors have to decide is, do, is the end game here just getting the documents so that they can be preserved properly and the classified information stored in a, a SCIF a secure facility, um, or like with Sandy Berger or uh, General Petraeus, is there a point that has to be made in addition to getting the document back, which is you just can't do this. You just can't take classified documents, highly classified documents, and, and remove them to a non-secure facility. And I said before, and I'll say it again, whether they're classified or not is important, but the statutes don't require classification. It says, if you possess a document, I can, I can um, read it. It says, if you possess a document relating to national defense and through gross negligent, negligence, permit that to be removed, um, or placed in an insecure um, facility, you violate the Espionage Act. And so 
it just talks in terms of documents that relate to national defense. It doesn't say classified documents relating to national defense. Obviously, any classified document documents. Related to, it's any documents related to class. So the, the question of the classified documents, there's all kinds of speculation. And we really don't know at this point what those classified documents truly are. But can, as the president, former president claimed, can he just wave his hands over the box and say, hey, no longer classified. I declassified him. Can he do that? Uh, for most documents, yes. He has the, the the legal authority to, he doesn't have the legal authority to do that with respect to documents that um, are covered by the uh, atomic energy, the atomic, <clears throat> excuse me, the atomic energy acts. Uh, so the so-called nuclear stuff, that has a different declassification process. But in theory, he can wave a wand and say, you, you are now declassified. Of course, the day he becomes the former president, the current president can then wave his wand and say, you are reclassified. And so yeah. you can have this declassified, reclassified back and forth. But the point is more not that he has the, you know, the abstract authority to to declassify. And again, I say it's a red herring because classification is not a prerequisite to prosecution. Correct. But there is a process that is gone through when something is declassified so that you know what the level of document that you're dealing with is. So for example, if I if there's a classified document that cannot be removed from a SCIF, it'll say classified SCI right on it, Paragraph by paragraph, it'll tell you the level of classification so that I don't inadvertently take it home and end up getting prosecuted for it. I need to know what is the level of document. So there's a there's a process for the declassification and the rec and the memorialization of that declassification. So yeah, in theory, he could do this, but it runs counter to the entire process by which people who handle these documents going forward know what they're handling because you don't want to inadvertently violate these these statutes because the markings were not corrected so yes and yes and no so what's the next step for the for uh the look uh, it's not just <laughs> the i mean this seems to be the the thing that's keeping our attention right now but we also have the january 6 hearings that are being uh addressed by the doj You've got the investigation in Georgia during the election. Donald Trump is facing a whole host of and wide range of investigations into his activity as president and before and after. Um, what's the next? Is there a, a, a do these prosecutors, do the DOJ link up with each other and go, let's proceed together? Do they proceed independently? And what's the next step? Well, normally speaking, when there are multiple investigations against the same normally no no i mean normally not not to disparage trump as abnormal but what i'm saying is that when you have a a single target or single collection of targets in a conspiracy or something and there are multiple investigations then the multiple prosecutors work in a coordinated way because you don't want to do one thing that'll jeopardize another's case. When there's a federal state investigation, they too work together. So Georgia prosecutors and New York prosecutors should be coordinating with federal prosecutors if they're looking at similar cases. So uh, yeah, so and my point, that is normal. So my point is the, the Trump people are going, there's collusion among the prosecutors. 
this is just how prosecution works. Um, what and and John, I guess what I would what what more were you surprised by the defense by his uh, supporters in Congress? I mean, at what point in time do you go? What the hell? I got to back away from this guy. Only the only surprise for me has been um, that that none of them have said we're concerned the documents were there. And after the Washington Post report that some of them deal with nuclear weapons programs or nuclear weapons, um, that none of them said, well, if that report is true, we're really concerned about that. And, and we want to understand more about why Donald Trump took those documents out of the White House to Mar-a-Lago. Um, I'm not surprised about the reflective, reflexive and very, um, very aggressive defense of him, but just that, that no one is, it wants to know why those documents were in Mar-a-Lago. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if this classification argument that everyone's having, including on the Sunday shows this morning, we're debating the classification, but, you know, as Michael's laid out here, I don't think that's going to matter when it comes time to prosecute or don't prosecute. So all I care about now is the why and the how, meaning why did he take the documents he took and how was he planning to use them or using them? And this is Donald Trump. So it's all about this. Yeah, that I, see, and that's the thing we, we're dancing around. You know, right. the, the real five hundred right. pound gorilla in the room. What was he using those for, and how is he going to make money off of them? Because you, that's Donald Trump. Yeah, you ask us every week on the show um, how we think the media could be doing a better job or could have done a better job the previous week. And to me, this is it. You know, let's move on from this classification debate and let's start trying to get at why he took the documents and how he was planning to use them or maybe had already used the information in the documents. Um, Do you think there's any, um, it, it's just coincidence or there's anything to the fact that this came out after the golf tourney with the Saudis on his Mar-a-Lago property? Well, Steve Schmidt has gone there on, on his Substack. stack. Steve yeah. Schmidt's a longtime Republican strategist, worked for John McCain and others. Um, he's a serious-minded fella. Of course, he's one of the founders of the Lincoln Project, which is very anti-Trump. It's important to say that. Um, in fact, that's the reason they exist. The group exists. Uh, but he's written this uh, that that Trump could turn out to be the American AQ Khan, who, of course, was selling uh, Pakistani uh, nuclear plans and secrets, or allegedly was. He was later freed, um, but allegedly was doing that. So that's what I that's what I'm focused on. Because this is Donald Trump, it's all about the it's all about the cash. It's all about making money. It's all about the grift. That's right. And and, and they're before, raising money. They're raising money off the raid. That's that's what they did most of the week. Yeah, you know? they. Uh, I've got at least five uh, emails a day asking me to contribute because the uh, liberal Democrats have, have what was it? They they not only raided but they invaded. And and you know uh, and broke into the the language that they use. But right. before we go to break. I, we got to play this game. Who's the snitch? Who do you think was the snitch that 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 gave them the information? Let let them know it was there. Michael, any uh, any insight into that? No, I have no idea 
who a named individual could be. But one thing <laughs> to answer the try to answer the question is the search warrant says on its face that documents exist in violation of these statutes. It doesn't say who is the target. It doesn't say it's not an indictment. It, you know, an indictment says right. a named defendant committed these crimes. This says these documents exist in this state of violation of law without naming who it is. And so to your collective point of documents kept coming out of the White House into the helicopter and being removed, it could well be that someone who fears that they may be implicated in, in, a, in a scheme to remove documents improperly or illegally has said, look, I know because I participated in the removal and I want to start cooperating because I don't want to be you know, charged with this crime. So you know, part of me as a prosecutor says, who has exposure and what might be you know, sort of their um, rationale for, for cooperating? That, yeah. That's one sort of theory of who, who, who it could be. You know, the other, you know, the other thing is uh, when you look at the surveillance video, because the Mar-a-Lago has a lot of cameras in it, um, who, who had access, who had access to the, to the areas where the documents were. And it could be as innocent as, you know, an, an employee who works there, who's reading the newspaper and says, yeah, we got all these boxes, you know, in, out in the back. Um, and he just calls up and says, hey, by the way, I don't know if it's relevant or not, but we got, you know, all these boxes that say property of U.S. government. Um, and in, Putin's in, sitting in, back in the there reading them. That's it. Right. So, well, so who's your thought? I, I, well, John? I haven't done any I haven't done any reporting on this and, and I'm not going to I'm not I don't I'm not comfortable throwing out names. I have my own suspicions, but I, I don't want to put it out there in public without having done some reporting first. Um, but Michael's right. I think this is probably um, it could just be an employee, like he said. Certainly narrowed it down, I, though. I think I think we could narrow it down, uh, but I think he's right. I think it's someone who is worried um, because they put stuff in boxes, maybe when they worked in the White House, and maybe they're already cooperating. Maybe they've been told um, you're in some trouble, you're going to face some charges, but we can bring those charges down. So what do you got? I wonder who that could be. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> <coughs> no, no, I'm sorry. Didn't uh, <laughs> <coughs> uh, could be anybody. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, I think it's it. Uh, two things that you've said really bear repeating. One is why and how are they used? Why right. were they taken and how are they used? And we saw you and I and other reporters did see that for months, going for for 48 months. Uh, from the first time he walked, I remember the first time he walked on the helicopter, they were taking stuff. So um, it, it, and it begs the question as to what was the stuff used for and why. And but can I just, can I add one thing, Brian? Sure. It's not inconsistent, it would seem to me, for a president to have briefing papers brought with him. Um, no, so that's sure, not, sure, you're right. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the idea that there are boxes going with the president of the United States that, uh, that his aides need to brief him may 
be very normal stuff. I, I expect However, one of the questions, one of the questions might be when the when the helicopter returned. Um, there you go. Were those, were those were boxes, boxes off offloaded? You know, no. um, <laughs> and um, if he was going to Camp David, you know, maybe they have a secure facility there, and maybe they stay at at Camp David or. Uh, I don't know what sort of um, skiffs or other things they built, you know, at 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 uh, his golf clubs or not. So it 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 may it sounds bad. It would be innocuous. Um, it would be innocuous with other presidents, but you have to remember this is Donald Trump. And the thing that I that I was always impressed by, and the thing that drove at home why I I personally wondered what was going on was because they everyone in, on his staff always said to brief him. It had to be the scantest of briefings. It had to be on a one sheet, and so yeah, were the. Yeah. I mean, I guess the boxes could be to to uh, to brief the chief of staff, but again, sometimes those boxes didn't come back. So right. with Donald Trump, everything becomes suspect because of his past behavior being predicate for whatever he's going to do in the future. And so you're I guess absolutely I would... right. You have to uh, you have to approach it as innocent until proven guilty. Well, I guess the, the question I would ask if I was a prosecutor and you were my prospective witnesses and I said, well, what information do you have that would lead us to conclude that things were stolen? And you said, well, we saw him and his staff bring boxes onto the helicopter. I would say, well, that's not all that helpful right. in, in and of itself. But one of the questions I might ask is, you guys have been reporters for a long time. In prior administrations, did you see a, a similar pattern of boxes going on and uh, fewer boxes coming off. Because if it fits the pattern of prior presidents, then it's it's more benign than I've been covering presidents for a long time and never ever have I seen anything quite like this. Then your well, test I've been covering more presidents a long time and I've never seen anything quite like this. <laughs> but even the most, the thing that I would say is that even what would be, what seems to be the most benign activities often were not and what i what i know and what i saw it's not unusual for the chief of staff to to uh to deny you access it's not unusual for the chief of staff to give you access it's not unusual for the uh for you know somebody like uh his press secretary to say one thing and do another but it's always what was in donald trump's case what was he hiding and it often wasn't, um, and and John, jump in anytime you want. It often wasn't normal uh, policy stuff. It was also often very personal. Of uh, uh, how do I describe it? Uh, avarice. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it was. You know, the it could be the simplest thing, or the like you said, it it could be anything, um, but it was usually linked to. Um, it, it seemed to be linked to how could how could they make some money or how could he get back at someone, as you said, uh, very, very vindictive. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that there's allegedly uh, some information in, in some of these boxes about the French president, Emmanuel Macron. Uh, remember, um, he was caught on tape at a, at a dinner of, of leaders uh, disparaging Donald Trump one time and, and uh, Trump got pretty salty about that. They had run-ins about NATO and other things. So again, I have to assume he took those documents to to try to somehow humiliate or. Uh, uh, well, he McCoy. sure didn't keep them because he was keeping state secrets from someone. 
But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think I don't I don't think Manny scribbled a love note during a meeting and, and he wanted to take that and frame it. Yeah. You know? Well, we're we're going to take a short break on that note. <laughs> and when we come back, let's look forward as to uh, what's going to happen next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, you. Yeah, you. We're talking to you, and we need your help. Seriously. As you probably know, independent journalism is a vital pillar of our democracy. Like everything else, it's not free. We're asking all longtime listeners of the show to help support us by becoming a member on Patreon. For the price of a latte, you can help guard democracy. Join us today at patreon.com slash podcast to help us keep bringing you the podcast you love and the facts you deserve. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question and John Bennett is clearing his throat and <laughs> not very gracefully, not very gracefully. <laughs> Michael Zeldin is with us. And so we're talking about this week, a, a very, look, it's historic. This has never happened to any president before. Of course, uh, no president before ever questioned a peaceful transfer of power. With Donald Trump, we are looking at many firsts. And I guess the, the question remains is how solid is our democracy because of Donald Trump? What do we look at going forward and john i know you and i have disagreed a little bit on i think this is the end of donald trump i think that this is has reached a point where there is no going back and eventually specifically with the relevance uh, or, or the revelation of classified documents nuclear document documents i believe that you will see more and more of the faithful particularly in government walk away from him over the next few weeks but you, you think that this isn't the end for Donald Trump. We're going to have him to kick around some more. Well, uh, when you and I last talked about this was, I believe, Wednesday. And, of course, that the day before the Washington Post report that some of these documents uh, relate to nuclear. I had a weapons. source. Aha. Aha. You were, you were there first. So um, I now have, have started to come over to team beginning of the end. I don't think it's the end, though. And I don't think this means um, that right now or, or in four months from now, he's charged with something and he doesn't announce a presidential run. So I still think he can be the candidate. I still think he would be the front runner, but I think this is going to catch up. I, I have, I, I'm finally saying, I think this fella, uh, I, I don't think this toad is getting out of the pot of boiling water this time. Uh, I think this is, this will eventually be the end, but Here's here's why, and here's why I say that. I have to wonder if if the the intelligence community or or the FBI um, collected something, heard something. Maybe they were listening to MBS. I'm just throwing out names here. Uh, maybe they were listening to to maybe the he Lavrov. was the source, right? Maybe they were listening to another foreign figure, which which is legal, and they heard something, and the, maybe something was referenced about we have something. I just wonder if 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 the normal collection, as it does, they caught something, and that's why they had to go Monday. So yeah. if that's the case, if we find that 
that that's the case. And we have a Republican nominee for president who's charged with trying to profit off of classified government information. I don't know how to answer your question then. Well, I think DeSantos told you where the Republican Party is going because he showed up on Fox and defended the FBI's actions and said they were doing their job. And so I think, and DeSantos is, loves the, the Trump supporters and loves the money. Even he's starting to back away. I, I, I don't think Donald Trump is on the, the ballot in 2024. I don't care if he does announce I, he won't be on the ballot. He might be in prison togs, but I don't think he will. I still agree. I don't think, I still say, I don't think he'll announce. I think it's all a grift. He's fundraising off of it now. Help me. Look at my new plane. Here's a picture. Uh, send me $45, send me $10, send me a nickel, send me what you can. It's all about the grift. That's all he's ever been about. That's all he ever will be about. He is a loathsome, shallow individual and uh, not only doesn't deserve to be on the ballot, but I don't think he will be. And I don't think much more of DeSantis, but I think this is definitely the beginning of the end of Donald Trump. And by God, it's not, you know, soon enough. But Michael, where do we go? What, what's, what goes forward uh, from here? Where would the DOJ go? What does that look like in the next few months up to well, and including the midterms? Well, can I answer one question yes. first that you didn't ask, but related to what you were just saying? There's an aspect of one of the statutes, which is the concealment uh, removal and mutilation statute, which is number uh, 18 U.S. Code 2071. I don't know whether this exactly applies to the president because it says whoever having the custody of a record. I don't know whether that the history of that word, the custody applies to custodians whose you know, job are right. is, is to be you know, the custodian of records as opposed to just a person. But the statute says, whoever, I always thought it was whomever, but anyway, whoever <laughs> having the custody of any record um, that you know, belongs to the United States and um, willfully conceals it and is convicted shall be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. So there's a specific provision of the statute. If it applies, if he's a custodian and he's found to have concealed a document that he's not entitled to have, then the statute prescribes the possibility of, um, it says shall forfeit his office if he's currently in office and shall be disqualified from holding any future office. So I don't know whether, I don't know the applicability of that but were there a prosecution and conviction under that, then we'd have a very interesting legal conversation in the courts. About, about whether or not he'd be eligible to even run. Well, or whether that statute is, is constitutional, whether you can yeah. disqualify somebody for um, concealing a, a record. I mean, normally you think that the way people are disqualified from holding office is that they don't get voted into office, not <laughs> that they are, that their names are, uh, scratched off as being, you know, eligible to be on the ballot, but um, that's just, you know, sort of a, a footnote in our in our in our conversation that people should just be mindful of. Where do we go from here? Is that we are now still in the midst of multiple investigations of the president and his orbit of of people uh, by state and federal prosecutors and. I was asked the other day on CNN, are we in the middle? Are we at the end, in the beginning? And I said, I don't know. 
I think we're probably still in the middle of um, most of these cases. They're, they're, none of these cases is uh, a simple case and the decision to prosecute is a complicated one. Uh, so for example, some people have said to me, some people have said, not necessarily to me, some people have said, well, Georgia seems to be uh, a slam dunk that he, with the tape recorded calls to the Secretary of State and the like, he um, clearly was endeavoring to interfere with that election in violation of, of Georgia law. And they said, so I would, you know, that's a surefire prosecution. And I thought, I said to myself, because right, I think I, I, the person wasn't talking to me, but they were talking on television. I said, yeah, but look at the jury pool uh, in Georgia. And do you want, you know, do you want your first case to be before a Fulton County uh, jury pool? Um, or would you prefer to bring maybe a little less secure case, but, uh, you know, a viable case? before District of Columbia jury. So, I mean, all of those things get factored in. You have to decide whether as a prosecutor, you can win the case and whether the case is, if you win, the case can be sustained on, uh, on appeal. So all these things, and especially when you're talking about a public figure are just not as simple as they are presented on television to be. No, and it's it, one of the things that's frustrated me the most is those who, demand instant accountability and you know and the criticisms against Merrick Garland he's not doing anything he's not doing we haven't seen anything well as you've said here before and and from covering him and knowing him peripherally for the last 20-25 years Merrick Garland is known as a very meticulous man who holds things close to his vest and I don't think that he is going to be swayed by politics but rather by the law uh I'm mirroring uh, exactly what you have said earlier, but I, what frustrates me most are, are those who do not understand that it, it's real quick. You, you can commit a crime very quickly, and, but getting convicted, char getting charged, getting indicted, getting investigated, getting convicted of that crime takes a lot longer. Yeah. And um, as in all cases, you have to merit, you have to, value the merit of the prosecution versus the the collateral consequences of the con of the prosecution and 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 the you know the most salient we're not prosecuting that, yeah well that's right the 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 salient most salient you know example of that is richard nixon and the gerald ford decision to pardon him he probably was convictable nixon the the crimes that he uh, uh is said to have committed uh were probably prosecute, he was probably prosecutable and convictable. But Ford said the collateral consequences of that of that prosecution and conviction were, were far worse than not prosecuting him at, at all. And so that's unusual. Obviously, prosecutors don't tend to think of, well, if I prosecute Don Corleone, you know, is this, you know, going to have collateral consequences uh, among mob families. That's generally not part of your uh, decision <laughs> process. But in this case, it, it, it has to be. And the prosecutors have to weigh not only the facts and the law and the ability to prove and sustain the conviction, but what are, what are the implications of doing it versus not doing it. And, and you know, people have argued not holding him accountable um, is, is far worse than um, 
hold then 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 um letting holding them accountable yeah and holding then holding them you know, they say well if you hold them accountable then they're going to have a civil war you know i don't buy that not for yeah. a second not for yeah. a second but where, I think that's where, all bullying that's all them yeah. trying to bully us well and that's and that and so that but so you asked me where do we go from here this conversation that that, that we're just having right now is part of the conversation that is taking place within prosecutors' offices around the country that are looking at at these at these people. So uh, I'll ask you both this: uh, Do you think, it, in retrospect, upon sober reflection, that Ford pardoning Nixon was the right thing to do, or that he should have been prosecuted because it it certainly lays the groundwork for pardoning Donald Trump? John, you want to first crack at that? <laughs> Boy, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I laid I, it right there for you, brother. <laughs> sure did. Um, not to put me on the spot, but thanks. Uh, you want to go, John? John, you want to go to a commercial break? <laughs> <laughs> I should. I should just throw it, just like a Fox News host, right? To break when you hear something that that doesn't fit the narrative, you just go right. You just go right to another. Um, hey, another, uh, by another the way, stand up bath, another stand-up bathroom. Or, or commercial for some drug that no one's ever heard of. Well, no, I, I don't, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think Nixon had boxes of uh, a box of nuclear secrets in his basement. So I'm not sure, and we don't know everything yet. But once we find out, I, I think, I, I don't think we know enough for me to answer that question right now. I want to know more about uh, what's in the documents and what law enforcement has concluded about why Trump took them and, and how he was using them or had thought maybe just thought about using them or was thinking about using them. So I, I don't think it's, I, I don't know. It feels a little apples and oranges, but, but yeah, I, I guess I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to know more about why he took the documents. That's my bottom line this week. Michael. Well, if the question is, did Ford do right by America or wrong by America yes. pardoning Nixon uh, today is Sunday. I think he did wrong. Yesterday was Saturday. I thought he did right. I, yeah. I, I think it's a very difficult um, question. The, the point that people say is, you hear it on the news a lot. Well, this is a banana republic. We don't, you know, this is what's done in banana republics. You prosecute, you know, former political officials. And I thought to myself, when I hear that sometimes, no, 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 no. This is what we do in constitutional democracies, which is to say that the rule of law governs our behavior and that if irrespective of the position that the person held, if they violated the law and, and the equities demand that they be held accountable, that's what we do. And that's what distinguishes us from, from a banana republic, so-called right. banana republics, a, a pejorative term. I don't really, uh, I don't like, like it either. And like there was, the, other but, one, but, the other one that I heard was Eric, uh, Eric, Trump saying that we are now a third world nation. And I, I've been to several third world nations and no matter what Trump did to the U.S. during his four years in office, we're still not a third world nation as much as he'd like to think it is. I think they throw these terms around. And honestly, I, I sometimes wonder if they know what they mean. Well, uh, but I guess the point, Brian, the, 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 to just answer the question is I, 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 I don't know. I really do day by day wonder whether or not we would have been better off if we held Richard Nixon criminally accountable for for his behavior so that when we got to this conversation today um there'd be we could say we couldn't you we couldn't use words like unprecedented 
Um, this would be unusual because uh, hopefully presidents of the United States don't commit criminal law violations, but if and when they do, and the evidence is compelling that they are not above the law and that we stand for that proposition that nobody, no person is above the law. So John, you I, had something to chime in with? Oh, to, I was just going to say that a lot of these Republican arguments, you guys have already alluded to this, but a lot of the Republican arguments are they're backwards. As Michael said, yeah. better than, than I could that, you know, third world banana Republic. I was at the uh, supermarket yesterday. There must have been 12 brands of barbecue sauce and at least 30 flavors of barbecue sauce. So we're not headed for banana Republic territory uh, anytime <laughs> soon. And, um, you know, there were this weekend, you know, there what there are 16 uh, preseason NFL games on. Uh, you know, we're, we're fine uh, in that regard. Um, but, but this is what the Republicans do, right? Um, when, you're, when they're doing something wrong, they just flip it. They, right. and they learn and, and Trump perfected this and he taught the rest of them how to do it. And you know, they're just running the Trump playbook with their messaging right now. On that yes. note, we're going to take one short, uh, one last break. When we come back, a few final thoughts. Uh, will this help the Democrats in November? And how did the press do this week? We alluded to that earlier. And finally, uh, how's Biden doing amongst all this nonsense? So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Just Ask the Question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at JATQ Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and uh, John and and Michael, but for the last uh, for the last segment, let's take a look at uh, first of all. And John, I'll ask you this first: uh, Do you think this all the revelations of this week helped the Democrats in November? Probably. How could it Unless, not? Let's right. well, see. we'll see. We'll see. It's it very, is a Democrats. We are talking Democrats, so it's a very right. low bar, very low threshold. They'll trip over it. You know, I I think this could help them. Uh, they're they're. Probably, we think, uh, still going to lose control of the House. I think the Republican majority it will probably be smaller. But, you know, there, there still are a lot of uh, competitive races out there. And, and I think this does help uh, Democratic candidates, but especially the Senate races. Those are statewide races. So it's not, you know, especially drawn uh, House district. And right now on the generic ballot, the, the six months ago, the Democrats were down by nine points. And now they're up by one or two, depending on where you look. So, well, I think in one poll, I had them up by five. There you go. So it's a huge shift. So the, the, the Senate is now very much in play. So I think this, this will help them. Uh, the president and, and Democrats uh, on the Hill, you know, they've had some wins lately. It started with the infrastructure bill. They passed a semiconductor bill. Uh, they passed a bill after some shenanigans from Republicans to help uh, military veterans who have gotten sick because of these burn pits in Iraq and Afghanistan and other places. And, and they finally got their climate tax and health bill formula known, formally known as Build Back Better. They got that passed. Uh, the House sent that to Biden's desk on Friday. 
So, and you know, they're not. And the thing is, is I, I think they're missing their messaging there because this was Build Back Better, but they're not calling it that now. So there are people who don't understand that the Build Back Better agenda actually got passed. It was watered down, but it was the agenda that he wanted. So it's yeah. it's moving in that direction. But again, and and this is I'll, I'll preempt my own uh, question there. But again, I think this shows how we're just screwing the the press is screwing up in reporting this stuff, particularly on uh, I I and in two places, I think we're screwing up. One, I, I think we're underreporting what's actually going on because Biden has been on fire in, in, in the last few weeks. And two, and probably most importantly, I don't think that we're very good at reporting. We're, we're trying to do same, you know, equal representation or, you know, we think that somehow by being balanced on some of this stuff when there is no balance, particularly on, on, on uh, Trump, that somehow we're doing the country a favor and I think we're doing a disfavor. That's my rant. I'll stick to it. You? Uh, fair enough. Uh, but also, th this is not an administration as we've talked about here and, and offline and, and we've both written about. They haven't been strong on messaging. Uh, they suck. Anyway. They the, suck. The whole, right. <laughs> so, you know, they still have trouble breaking through. Um, the president's on vacation right now. Every president goes on vacation in August. Uh, he's had COVID twice, so he had to isolate. That makes it, you know, you can't go to a, you can't go to a factory in Kentucky or Pennsylvania or Georgia. Well, sure, Kentucky, because uh, they don't believe in vaccine anyway. Come on in. <laughs> you would know better than me. So, yeah, um, you know, they, they've struggled with messaging. They continue to struggle with messaging. They have a lot to run on suddenly. Um, we'll see if they can, if they can turn this into a message that, that people don't, especially conservative leaning independents and 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 more moderate republicans especially suburban women uh especially senate races that's where those races are, are really going to be decided of course turnout african-american turnout the maga turnout but it's going to be those independents and those swing suburban voters and that's who they have to convince that these bills will work and yeah. and 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 that the bills won't make inflation worse and this isn't just throwing government spending at a problem so they, they do have some work to do the sales pitch but they just haven't been good at the sales pitch so i'm still a little reluctant to say definitively yes this will help democrats keep control of the senate but i think it will it'll it'll keep them competitive and i think the senate as of right now will be a photo finish i think it's going to be interesting i think it's going to be far closer in the house than many people realize i just think that I, and here's where i go with that and why I go with that. I have spent the last week traveling across country and in the some of the very same places. I mean, I was in flooded Eastern Kentucky where they uh, despise Joe Biden and love Donald Trump. And they're giving Biden his props for showing up and having the, you know, having the, you know, the courage to at least show up and say, you got to give it to him. He's here. And, you know, and my two senators aren't even here. Joe Biden made points in Eastern Kentucky with people who would not vote with him because he showed up and he has shown up in several places. And the vitriol that I've seen from the Trumpers over the last four years is abating somewhat. You know, when I drive and you, you used to see these, you know, people would be driving up and down in rural areas with the pickup trucks with the, the Trump flags and the American flags. I don't see that anymore. I don't see those big signs out on the side of the road that say, you know, I, I, Trump in 2024. 
all of it has kind of abated. And when I speak to people, elected officials and just regular folk and shops and anywhere from Hazard, Kentucky to Millersburg, Missouri, and you're talking to them, it's like, I think the December, the January 6th hearings seeped into the national conscience and conscious uh, in a way that we are now only becoming aware of. And that is people now look at Donald Trump as they looked at all other politicians when they were as a jaded politician. He's a liar like everyone else. One of the reasons why the rank and file went for him is because they believed he spoke truth and spoke from the cuff. And he was against the, the you know, the, the way it worked in D.C. Now they see him as just being another cog in the wheel, rich versus poor, and they're not buying him anymore. I think it, more than anything else, I think this is why we're seeing the end of Donald Trump. The country is weary of his fat, sorry ass and weary of the crap that he's had to say. So that brings me back to you, Michael. What What's the next step forward? you think, in the prosecution or the investigation into Donald Trump, at least from the DOJ's perspective? Well, can I just go back one second and, and also give an opinion on this stuff, which yes. is you guys may be 100% correct about the beginning of the end of, of, of candidate Trump. Um, it's not the end of Trumpism. Well, that's, that's, that's the point, which is yeah. if they're just looking for a more sane uh, public-facing uh, character, uh, a, a DeSantis or, or, or Cruz or a Hawley, but whose politics and values don't differ very substantially from Trump, then we've not really made much progress. And in fact, part of me thinks um, I'd rather have Trump on the ballot and let people vote up or down on, on, on this guy um, and uh, let's move on afterwards. But that, that's neither here nor there. But so the distinguishing Trump from Trumpism, uh, you may both be right that this may be the beginning of the end of, of Trump because they just have had enough. But if tr Trumpism is alive and well, but with a, 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 a more- but Haven't we always had that? Face, that, that that's, that's problematic. Yeah, I, but I would say we've always kind of had, I mean, Look, the same percentage of the population, what was it, 38, 40% during the Revolutionary War didn't favor separating from England. Uh, during the Civil War, 38, 40% of the people became the South. The Vietnam War, you know, that was the, oh, oh and I, I'm sorry, every freaking time there's a separate, it's always that same bottom, it's always that same percentage that seems to be against, but what is progr uh, progressives there were 38 40 percent during teddy roosevelt there were you know the hell there's 38 40 percent to want to listen to rock and roll <laughs> the bottom line is is those people have never had a champion before and uh like donald trump not since william jennings Bryan, and he, we saw what happened to him but going forward i don't think the santos or anybody else in the republican party has the um appeal that donald trump has and a reminder there the majority of people in this country still do not and never did embrace donald trump and i don't think those numbers will shrink because of the uh, actions that have been taken but go ahead the, the future so from, from so, so you know we we shall see we shall see uh, i i hope that we're we're turning 
uh, a page in, in terms of putting back under the rock some of the the most um, dangerous you know subcategories of people in our in our in our country you know you were talking before and I was thinking of Waco and Ruby Ridge and all those things and how much time has passed since then and now all of a sudden you know in the last four years there's been a resurrection of of of, of those types which I think is is a danger to our democracy it's interesting I was listening to to Beschlosch, the um, presidential historian, and I didn't realize this, but Biden had invited to the White House, uh, maybe you guys cover this, he invited to the White House a lot of presidential historians to basically say to him, where are we? What, yes. what, our, what is our most you know, dangerous threat? And they all said, we're in a very dangerous threat to democracy, period. Yes, there's climate, and yes, there's other things, but we are in a very, very um, dangerous place with respect to the sustaining of our democracy. And that's why I say it's important to make sure that we are not focused on Trump, the human being, as we are Trumpism, the, 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 the philosophy. Anyway, so now to finally answer your question, um, where you know Tom Petty saying the waiting is the hardest part. That's where we're up to, Brian. We're up to the waiting is the hot is the hardest part as the prosecutors sort through um, the information. If you think about it from a prosecutor's standpoint, I'm a prosecutor and I'm running my grand jury investigation into criminal activity. Simultaneously, the House um, is conducting its January 6th committee um, work, and they've gathered thousands and thousands of um, documents and in hundreds of interviews. And as a prosecutor, I got to know everything that's in there because yeah. there could be stuff in there that undermines what I've gathered in, in my case. If you say to the January 6th committee, black, and you say to my grand jury, white, I need to know that you've previously said black because if I put you on the stand and you say white, and the cross-examination is, well, but didn't you under oath say black black previously? Yeah. Then that is not helpful to my you know, theory of the prosecution. So there's a lot of stuff that they have got to go through. And if you look at the retrieval of these documents, and we've talked about, well, what's the seriousness of it? And we all concluded that the seriousness of it, seriousness of it will be determined by what's in there. Well, they got to go and figure out what's in there. And then how did it get in there? Who put it in there? You know, what was the process um, around getting it out of uh, secure facilities? Who, so there's a lot of, you know, sort of very granular work that you have to do as a prosecutor before you say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, my name is Michael Zelda and I represent the United States in the prosecution of X. It's a lot of very detailed work. And you, we can't stress enough, it's unprecedented. It is historic and we are treading in places that we haven't been before well right. yes in terms of the who is the subject of the investigation but in terms of putting together no that's case, the same yes obviously that's, yeah that's you know sort of basic blocking and tackling of course however there is so much information that the prosecutor has to digest and cull through and and then so your prediction six months eight months how long do you think i don't have a clue <laughs> i don't i don't i don't have That's a about clue. as honest as it gets brother 
Because <laughs> we don't know what charges they're we don't, we don't charge we don't know what charges they're bringing. We don't know how far along in their grand jury investigations uh, they are. That, <clears throat> to Merrick Garland's credit, like to Bob Mueller's credit, they've been playing by the book. They're not talking. They're letting their publicly filed documents do the talking for them. That's frustrating to uh, reporters and America. Yeah, at no, large. we have sources. We just can't quote them directly. <laughs> uh, but, but the answer, I stand by my answer. I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Last word, John. Also, don't have a clue. Mike, right. we, we don't know where they are. We don't know uh, where they're going. And we don't know uh, when they will wrap up. Um, remember, though, there is this guideline, right, that maybe Michael can explain a little better than me, um, this 60-day rule about elections. So, you know, we could see another raid or more search warrants or something before we get to that 60-day window with, where the FBI and DOJ, you know, they don't, they would prefer to not influence elections let's put it that way tell that um, to comey well I, he, he ignored the memo he got yeah. the memo he just ignored it he got but, the memo but yeah so, so we you know i we could see something before uh another big act like this another raid or, or search warrant or something um before then and you know maybe after the election we'll see more action but as far as where this is going and when it'll wrap up and if there will be charges and when it, you know, I, I, would, I wouldn't put any money on that. Let's put it now, my final thoughts are, I just want to know who the snitch was, Ivanka, Meadows, Jared, MBS, or, or was it, you know, just gathered information, you know, intelligence that was gathered uh, on, on the fly. Uh, I, I don't think it was the stray guy in the back room because uh, remember it was, uh, who was it? McCarthy said, I didn't even know there was a safe there and I'd been there. Oh, and of course, the ever-present and uh, avuncular Jason Miller. I think all of those people are potentially those that will be, and it's got to be, and whatever we say at the end of the day, we don't know who the snitch is. Donald Trump's got to be having fits right now trying to figure out who in the hell snitched him off because that, right. that he doesn't like him and it drives him nuts. And I'll leave you with the, the final... Brian, let me just say one. Can I just say one sure. my final legal thing besides leaving the listening audience with my valedictory that I don't have a clue, which they probably knew from <laughs> listening to me speak over all these years, which is while it's sort of fun to play the game of clue to decide, you know, who did it and in what room and with what yeah. um, implement, from a prosecutor standpoint, it Not doesn't. Bad matter as long as their information is, is credible verify it verify that's it. A, as a reporter it's the same thing people go all the time well they had an axe to grind well of course people who tip you off usually do have an axe to grind it's not that they have an axe to grind it's did the information they present to you was it factual was it accurate that's the guiding point for me i know that's a guiding point in, in law is was the information good not now you want to know what what the motive was per, for presenting it but at the end of the day i really do want to know is the information valuable um and how it got to me yeah i, I mean it's a it's a game of clue but it's not it's not the game that we're playing but although it, i have to say from a prosecutor standpoint motive sure matters 
from a cross-examination standpoint. People have said, for example, um, not to not to not to disagree. I'm yeah. not disagreeing with you. No, yeah, not not to cast aspersions in any way, shape, or form. But people have said, well, Michael Cohen has said, and that should be enough. And I think, as a prosecutor, look, Michael Cohen may be a swell guy and maybe a, a, a teller of truth, um, and all of those things. Um, but putting him on the witness stand with as many sort of motives of revenge that could be attributed to him, fair or not, true or false, doesn't matter. It raises the possibility of a juror saying, you know what, I've got a reasonable doubt. A bold doubt. Yep. And, and you want to avoid it. That's true. That's why you, you avoid are the hell out of that jury. <laughs> so anyway, the name of the show is Just Ask a Question. This has been a lot of fun. And of course, we'll be back next week because God only knows what's going to happen. <laughs> I, I don't even want to speculate anymore. I gave it up. <laughs> but, but Brian, again, I'm going to interrupt you because we didn't give John. We gave, He gave it a little bit, but he didn't. He didn't fully introduce sports into our conversation he did you say are that they're absolutely are right there are preseason there are preseason football games um, right i got that no, i i am one who um supports a constitutional amendment that no other sport should be allowed to be played during baseball season but john <laughs> i'll i'll turn, turn boy I, I i don't have a sports analogy for uh nuclear documents in the basement <laughs> with a with 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 a padlock that I'm sure Trump just sent somebody out to Walgreens to buy and slap on there. Um, uh, I am slapped out of sports analogies for that one. <laughs> that, that's, so, called, that's called a triple reverse. <laughs> so, but do, do do you have a uh, now that you raised NFL teams? Do you have a team that you're uh, pulling for or believe is the likely? Um, best of the league barring injuries and all that sort of stuff uh probably usual suspects uh the rams the chiefs the uh, buccaneers and the bills i think those are probably your your top four and you know tom oh. brady's what, oh. 45 now but oh. um he's still out there getting it done for us old guys i'm still a packers fan man come on <laughs> michael you don't say yankees <laughs> I, I, I think my I think the teams I root for are still in the National Football League. Let me know if I'm wrong, though. The New York Giants and the New York Jets are they still playing in the National Football League? <laughs> yeah. Well, they say they are. <laughs> I mean, the Jets the Jets draft a quarterback again, and, and he gets injured uh, in his first preseason game. So you know the the, the last Jets quarterback that was with a damn was Brett Favre. <laughs> Probably right. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, guys. Again, the name of the show is Just Ask the Question. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next time. In this modern age of misinformation and deceit, Just Ask the Question's newsletter cuts through the BS and gets to the truth. With Brian's in-depth articles, columns, and exclusive content not found anywhere else. Get the scoop and stay in the know. Sign up for the Just Ask the Question newsletter now at substack.com slash JATQ podcast.